0: Hey guys, and welcome back to Leadership on Purpose. I'm Blake Bozarth, and this is the show that's designed to help you grow your influence and lead with confidence and with humility. So we have a great topic today. We're talking about leading transformation, and specifically, how do you shift your organization into growth mode? And I love this topic because, to be honest, the default for most organizations, especially larger companies, larger organizations, The default is one of complacency. It's, oh, we want to maintain our position. We want to defend our position. Where we really want to be as an organization, no matter how large we are, is in growth mode. We're talking with Eric Sternberg. Eric is an executive vice president at Kemper, which is a large insurance company out of Chicago. And I know Eric from our days at Unum Group. He was one of my favorite leaders that I got to work with there. He has a really impressive resume. It comes from an incredible family of entrepreneurs who actually fled Hitler back in the day. And you'll hear a bit of that story towards the end of this episode. It's a fascinating story. And they built an impressive department store chain based out of Louisiana. Later, the family got into dental insurance and Eric joined the fold. And he's been an insurance executive ever since. Just a great leader. And he shares some awesome insights about risk-taking and how we can build a culture that encourages smart risk. We talk about how can you kill analysis paralysis and really instill a bias for action in your organization. And we also talk about creating buy-in. And Eric talks about how to get your people to own the challenge themselves. And finally, we wrap with how can a leader mess up when trying to lead transformation? What are the pitfalls that we can avoid? Some really great nuggets in this episode. I think you're going to love it. If you do be a river, not a reservoir, share it with someone else that you think would appreciate this content as well. Without further ado, let's jump into the show. All right, everyone. I am here today with Eric Sternberg. Eric, welcome to Leadership on Purpose.
1: Blake, thanks for having me. It's good to see you, my friend.
0: It's great to see you. Great to have you on. And so today, our topic is really about how do you lead transformation, and specifically, how do you help an organization shift into growth mode? So give us some context for this. If you can paint the picture, let me ask you, what would it look like? What does it look like when a company or an organization is not in growth mode? What does that mean?
1: So so I, I'd say I, I, I frame everything um, that I think about for this, this sort of conversation around know david ogilvy's quote which is we sell or else so foundationally all of our businesses are about our customers and do we understand their needs are we addressing those needs in a really in 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 an appropriate way and delivering product at the right value level of value cost everything for that customer Um, i think many organizations when they're not when they're not growing it's largely because they're inward facing they're not thinking about what's happening outside their offices or outside the four walls, and they're not able to truly understand that customer need and how they how they feel it, how they feel that need, and frankly, how they what they have to do to win. So you know, business is about winners and losers, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, many organizations uh, have been very successful over decades and decades of time. Um, and have have had one formula that's worked beautifully that whole time. But often I think, you know, whether it's my own personal professional career or looking at businesses in general, they're successful for specific reasons. And maybe there are certain business practices or or, um, technologies they've deployed or sales organizations that they've done in a different way. Uh, than their competitors. But eventually, you know, those, those things that made you successful historically can get in your way if you're not willing to adapt them and change them. So I think, you know, being able to see that, um, you know, the stuff that's made us successful in the past is no longer giving us the results we need is, a, is really hard recognition for a lot of organizations to make, um, particularly when things have been pretty easy for a period of time. And when people, when things get hard to take a fresh look, to really be able to just put a white piece of paper on the table or on the wall, pick a, use a clean, clear the whiteboard and say, if we pull away all this sediment, what do we have? And if we were to do it all again in the way that's perfect for our customer, if we have to rethink who our customer is, how would we do that? It's really hard to clear away those cobwebs. So I think you know, the, the first place you have to start is when your business is struggling and you're not growing is to say, all right, if we were to do this all over again, would we do it differently? And if so, how? And what, what, what does that paradigm look like? And would it change our tra- trajectory? That's the first place you start. And I think the other piece is just cultural. So it, it's, about, it's all about people and their outlooks um, and giving them the structure and support to be able to say, okay, we have to think about risk differently. We have to think about you know, what we're doing every day to, to impact the top line of our business as well as manage the bottom line. Um, so it's, um, it, it, there's a, there are a lot of pieces there, but ultimately it's cultural. And if you're not growing, it's gonna take time to, to turn that around. And frankly, it's a, it's a people question. No, that, that's really good, R- really good setting the stage.
0: So one, one, uh, one element there that I really want to draw out is this concept of uh, success. Well, what, what made you successful in the past does not guarantee your success in the future. One of the uh, mantras for me is that nothing fails like success. And so, and that's just true, right? And, and we, we've seen this story, business case after business case, story after story for people personally and for um, you see, you see it all, all the time in high school. The people that were super successful in high school doesn't necessarily continue um, in, after high school. Um, sure. So we see it personally. We see it with organizations. And one one thing that I think we find a lot with organizations is that the default mode mode the default mode is one of complacency. Mm-hmm. And unless unless you really have that special culture and you cultivated that culture of growth. So when you talk about people, when you talk about culture. How do you approach that as a leader? If, if, if our natural kind of default is comfort and complacency, how do we change that? How do we change the mindset? How do we change the approach to one of growth?
1: You know, I, I think it starts with leadership. You know, I, I think it's a tone uh, and it, it, it's and, and it's about incentives. Mm. So, you know, if, if you're an established organization and you reward people based on, I don't know, the stability of the bottom line, lower costs, you know, then, then you're gonna get the outcome you ask for. If you reward people on a combination of growth and profitability and you incentivize them accordingly and you have the right leaders in place and you build the right messaging, then everything flows from there. So it, it, it's really about, um, and I would say this as well, in addition to, to all those other things, providing the team, developing your team, providing them with the tools, the education, um, and and the ability to take risks. So, you know, for me, yeah, I'm 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 no different than anyone. Change is hard. Um, it comes with resistant, you know, w- with resistance. I, I've worked with a number of executive coaches over the year. I'm married to a very successful executive coach who is, um, you know, really good at what she does. Mm. Um, and so it's um, we all have to be willing to to take questions, to ask questions, and to answer questions that other ask other people ask of us. To say, you know, why are we taking this approach? Does it make sense? And if not, how do we change it? What makes sense? Um, I think uh, starting with being able to ask and answer a lot of questions is the first place. And then, you know, helping people understand that, you know, you know growth is worth sticking our necks out for. Mm-hmm. So, and if, if, you, if you're willing to stick your neck out, if you're willing to try something and whether it's a you fail um, or have outsized success, you're gonna get rewarded for that kind of behavior, it matters a lot. And so, all it takes is to have a few success stories. Um, and by the way, when I talk about a success story, like uh, you know, you hear a lot of people talking about celebrating failure. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know if it's celebrating failure so much as celebrating people who are willing to try something new, even if it doesn't work. What did we learn? Mm-hmm. How will we not do that again? Um, you cre- creating a learning culture um, leads to the kind of um, I think, activity and results that you need to get to growth. So what I mean by that is that people are asking questions, if people are thinking through the answers, if they're being deliberate about understanding the problems that they need to solve, what the potential solutions are, getting lots of perspective around those, and then going out and actually trying them, mm. failing, retooling, trying again, you start to get the activity with the, with the right reinforcement, the right governance and the right funding, you start to get the kind of activity and momentum you need to grow. That's really good. One, I think one of the biggest cultural shifts
0: that I'm hearing here is the willingness to take risk. And one of my favorite terms is smart risk. And if, if I asked you this question, Eric, so how can you help your people understand what is smart risk? What kind of risk is smart to take? And if you have risk, and so a lot of times the default is, Hey, we want to avoid risk. We want to limit risk as much as possible. Mm
1: -hmm. But
0: if you're going to grow, you have to actively be selecting risk. And I know you're in the insurance business. So it's all about, it's all about selecting risk, but every business is actually in the business of selecting risk. And I would argue that every leader, every, every person in their career path is also in the business of selecting Mm -hmm. risk. What does it look like to select risk in a smart way to make it smart risk? Any, any tips on that?
1: Again, it, it all starts with the customer. The first question you ask is to say, does this make sense for our customer? And whether it's, is it providing with the features they value? Is it keeping our costs low so we can offer a low cost product if that's what's important? What is there, is there, we should all have a rubric to say, these are the three to five things that have to make sense for the customer, at the same time, if those things also make sense for our business, so like makes us more efficient, extends our reach, expands our customer base, makes us more profitable, whatever, whatever it is, if all those things align and you have a, a simple path to figure those out, then, then, you're, then you're, gonna, you're gonna minimize your risk a lot. I mean, also asking yourself questions like, okay, what has to be true for this to be successful? And then understanding, okay, and what could go wrong? So if you, if you think about all those things and you, and you weigh them um, and you say, gosh, this issue about what could go wrong really could, could be a killer for a lot of reasons and, and beyond just this particular project, we need to figure out if we can box that risk. And if we mm-hmm. can't, we're not doing it but if you if you can figure out all these pieces and, and I'm not talking about months and months of analysis this is the sort of stuff you can do back of the envelope you know or the kitchen table you know you know or during a morning of meetings with a few peers on a whiteboard yep. so these are simple exercises that you get out quickly and you can make decisions relative with relative ease and I and we haven't even talked about return on investment you know i then you got to get to the numbers eventually But, you know, foundationally, if it works for the customer, if it works for the business, we understand, you know, what the upside is. We understand what could go wrong and we can box the risk, then then you can get to a place, okay, now let's crunch the numbers. (laughs) That's good. That's good. Um, I want to get to, because I love what you just
0: mentioned there about like a duty that doesn't require months of analysis. I think that is such a common problem in um, large companies, especially mm-hmm. is how much analysis paralysis there exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, can, you can yeah. analyze all day. How do you, how do you uh, instill a bias for action in your organization? So as a leader, this is what you want. Um, naturally your organization may be one that again, is more complacent with where they are. They just want to defend their position, maintain where they are. And if they do want to make change, if they are open to change, maybe they want to analyze it to death and not actually take action. How do you, how do you kind of institutionalize urgency and drive a bias for action in an
1: organization? So I think, you know, a phrase you and I have heard many, many times and I continue to use is progress over perfection. Mm -hmm. So in the insurance industry, you know, we're an industry of actuaries and lawyers and compliance, everything else. Um, and so you, you we could take months and months to analyze a very one, one item. And, and when you're trying to iterate and create a growth culture, that doesn't work. So part of this process is, is to say, look, like, i understand that you want to dot every i and 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 and, uh, cross every t but you can do the basic analysis that you need to understand this problem including quantifying it and in a week or or three days so you know if, if i i think you know from my view like it's it's real simple as a practical matter you say as a leader, okay, I'm gonna understand this with our team, with your help in, in three days. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna meet again in three days and you're gonna come back to me with a one pager that shows the basic facts that we're gonna agree on and the basic numbers. And then we can say, okay, directionally, this makes sense. Now let's go to the next level or directionally, it doesn't make sense and we're done and we've just saved six months of time and resources yes. getting to something. So it's, it's the sort of thing that again, it's um it, it's you want to get to a place with your teams assuming you've got the right analytic capabilities the right the right people in place able to do the the basics like you want to get your place into team that, so that they start thinking about that um, that as a leader they're coming to you and saying you know we had this idea and we've done we've done the basics this is what we're thinking and we want to take it to the next level that's where you want to get it. It's not the sort of thing that, that happens overnight. I'm living it now uh, with yeah. my new organization. We're making great progress, um, and some people are get excited about it, and others don't. Um, but you know, y- you find your way. The that's bottom good. line.
0: That's great. That, that's a great practical framework for how do you how do you kind of give some structure for your team and set expectations on the front end.
1: I think, progress I think it's, over perfection. That's like, really good.
0: Yeah that's really good and for, a, for a leader to be able to set the expectations of hey I, there, we could analyze this thing to death guys but this shouldn't take us longer than three days This shouldn't take us longer than a week to do the basics and it's okay if we still have some unknowns at the end yeah. of this we don't have to have everything figured out right now in order to make a directional decision um, so i love that it's, that's a really great really great practical takeaway for us um, let me ask you this so when you're leading transformation and you're and you're trying to move an organization that is maybe right now they're in maintain, they're in defend mode, they're in complacency mode. When you're leading this transformation, you're trying to get them to growth, what can go wrong for a leader? Are there any are there any pitfalls that a leader
1: should be avoiding in this kind of transformation journey? I think you can push too hard and too fast. I think that's the first thing. Um, and I have a you know like I have a I have a bias for action. And so I'm always, you know, I'm I'm always going to be the one that's that's saying we can do this and we can do it now. I've learned the hard way that that can be a disaster, even in a growth-oriented organization. Pushing too hard can lead to decisions and actions that don't don't pan out or the way you need them to. So I think you know I, I think it's critical to get buy-in, um, and it that is not something. Um, that happens quickly uh, in an established organization where there hasn't been a lot of change, um, and so change management involves bringing the team along. Yeah. So, as a leader, um, you can have all the great ideas in the world, and you can be totally convinced they're right. And they, and by the way, they can be, and you can be totally wrong. Um, right? <laughs> there's there's so, the humility coming out. Yes. So, right. So as a leader, you want people to challenge you. Yes. Um, you want people to put in lots of input uh, and resist and engage in a conversation and a push and a pull at at the end of the day, you you hope and you want everyone to be on the proverbial bus and with you and pushing forward. That may take a week, that may take six months. Um, Moving too soon is a problem, Um, but also I would say um, moving too slowly is a problem. So once you've got all the ideas and had all the back and forth, the idea is probably some different version of what you originally came up with, or maybe it's totally different, which is even better um, because you want people who are a whole lot smarter than you um, saying, no, this doesn't work, but here's a better way to go. And you come up with something better as a team, everyone buys in. So I think uh, as a leader, you want to bring everyone along, if that's possible. The other pitfall would be waiting too long to move to, on the people that, that can't get on. So if, yeah. you, if you've got people that are really resisting, yeah. that are in key roles, then it's probably time for, the, for, for you to find a different, different opportunity for them within the organization or beyond. Um, because the, the bureaucratic resistance in a large organization can be substantial. And so it's, it's just, you have to be relentless on it, but, but also patient.
0: That's, that's really good. How do you calibrate being, having that bias for action, but also having a patience and uh, striking that chord? Cause I think it's a great, that's a great point. Erica, we'll probably do another uh, episode on this because I'm a big advocate for it, but. Realizing that you're going to have people in your organization that will likely never get on board. And it's understanding who they are, and I think the biggest takeaway for me is not catering to what to to that, not catering to the negativity. It's allowing for debate. So um, I, I love that you talked about how you you, know, you you come from a from a stance of humility, and saying that hey, I don't necessarily have all this right. Here's my vision. Help me make this better. I want to I want to hear yeah. your
1: thoughts. Oh, look, and the vision piece is really important. So. I'm making it up and you may say, look, we need to double our new sales production over the next three years, figure it out.
0: Mm.
1: I mean, like, or you may say we need to double sales and we re- reduce our, our costs as a percentage of revenue by 5% over the next three years. That's the problem we're trying to solve. Let's break it down. What are the, what are the component parts? B- create a structure around the problem, quantify the problem. I mean, you know, we know that we're writing I'm making it up a million dollars a year in sales. That needs to be five sales guys. How do you do that? We need to lower our cost profile finance. How do we do that? Where are the, where, where are the key leakage points in the business? Like break down the problems into manageable chunks and you'll find out pretty quickly if your functional leads are capable of, of figuring it out. Like- That's so good. And, and what, what, what better way to create buy-in
0: than having them own the challenge, right? Not, mm-hmm. not just feel like, hey, they've been told the challenge, plus we've been given the marching orders and here we go. That's a that's a hard well, way to create. I
1: mean, you know, a leader will probably who's been in the business for a while can probably say, here are the 10 things I would do. But asking the functional leads to own that and to bring them forward and then have an iterative conversation makes it a whole lot more interesting for everybody. And if they bring it, they're going to own it. That's really good. Um,
0: One other point on buy-in I want to get your opinion on is I I love this, this mantra that people typically buy into the leader before they buy into the vision. So the basically underscoring that character matters. Mm -hmm. And um, have you, have you seen that? How have you seen that? And any, any advice um, on that point for
1: leaders? Oh, look, I think um, leadership's a balance of, of, of I think uh, making people comfortable that you're gonna provide a stable environment um, where deliberate decisions are gonna be made where in and, and people are gonna be able to uh, given the room to, to perform at a high level. Um, and so some people might say you're giving people enough, ro- ro- <laughs> enough rope to hang themselves. Um, I, I, I think, boy, um, I, I think we we need to find ways to empower fo- empower team members and to figure out who wants to take on those those roles and and own that accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, once you find those people, it, it becomes a whole lot simpler.
0: That's good. Comes back to trust and like like you said, like it, it's a balance of you want them to be comfortable because they trust you, they trust who you are, that you have their best interests in mind, you have the best interests of the organization, and not yourself. <laughs> but also you're somebody who's going to challenge them. You're going
1: to help them stretch. You're going to help them grow. Absolutely. And, and, and they, they shouldn't be afraid to try something and fail. Like, because bottom line is if you're, if you're in it with your heart and your brain, you're putting in the effort and the energy and we're making progress, like there's always going to be set setbacks. Even the greatest, uh, I I don't know what, I don't remember the statistics, but the greatest baseball hitters and ever of all time, what. They didn't get to didn't didn't get to base sixty seventy percent of the that's time. That's right. That's right. So you know, and it, it, so are gonna you're, we're gonna swing in this, and that's got to be okay. How what do we learn, and how do we move forward?
0: That's so good. And leaders set that tone. Progress, absolutely. And we're not going to have we're not going to have perfection <laughs> so it's pro- progress 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 this is right. really good really great i want to shift to a few standard questions with you eric i'm eager to get your take sure. the first yeah. one that we like to like what we like to ask all of our guests is what is your why what is it that drives you
1: motivates you i, I love being a leader and, and, and i like to say it's the it's the the in my i should say this in my experience um, it's the hardest times and most difficult times when the real leaders show up. Um, and for better or for worse, I've been through plenty of difficult times, you know, whether it was Katrina, uh, when we lived in South Louisiana, and the financial crisis, now the pandemic, um, leaders step up and you see what your team is made of. And I've been really fortunate, uh, to have phenomenal partners and team members, um, that, uh, that I've been able to work with over the years, and we've overcome just about anything that's come our way, and that's not that doesn't happen <laughs> accidentally, um, you know. I so so I would say um, that's how I would frame that question.
0: That's that's really good. I think um, organizations in the midst of this latest crisis with the pandemic have an, even a deeper appreciation for how important leadership is, and pouring into and equipping and developing. Their leaders is is more important than ever. So, love that point. If you could give me one way that you've grown as a leader, this is all about growth.
1: One way that you've grown as a leader over the course of your career, what would you say? I would. I would say, um, you know, coming out of school, I would say I, f- I w- my solution to just about everything was that I can get it done myself. Um, and then I learned pretty quickly running a small business um, with twenty people that I had to roll up my sleeves get it done, figure it out from start to finish, um, you know, all those things. But as we grew as an organization, I wasn't able to do that anymore. And I had to learn to, to work through and lead through others and delegate, uh, and make myself, I would say scalable as a leader. Mm. Um, and, and what I found is it, that just continues to be the case and continues to be a muscle, that you have to build it's it's you're never done um, so you've got to got to be willing to let others run with things uh, let other people let other people make decisions support them when they have their successes and when they make their mistakes um, and then also you know I would say the other piece is be willing to let other people in um, and take criticism so you know I've, I've had a, done I've worked with a number of coaches over the years I've done 360s which always wake me up like a bucket of cold, of ice water. So um, fun, right? Right. So I think you, you just need to realize that you don't have all the answers. You can't do it all yourself, uh, nor do you want to. Uh, and so build your teams, uh, hire great people that are much smarter than you are and, and let them run. Great advice. Uh, I know you're a big reader.
0: Is there a particular book that has influenced you and shaped your leadership?
1: I'd say there are many of them. I, I'll, say, I'll show this one to you now. Um, the New Leaders Hundred Day Action Plan is something I've used myself a number of times as I've transitioned into new different roles, and and I've I've used with my people over the years. Again, I, I find it it helps uh, just with structure, uh, thinking through problems and solutions. Um, you know, more than anything, a guidepost. It, it's funny I, I pulled this out for the role I started in March with Kemper. Did a detailed, you know, detailed plan. Spent a lot of time on it, uh, only to, to arrive on day one uh, as we were starting to move all of our uh, all of our employees to work from home from the <laughs> pandemic, and every priority that I thought was going to happen in my first 60, 90 days was blown up before I even started. So, wow, um, you know, best plans are, are meant to be broken. Um, but uh, I found this very helpful, not just for starting a new role, but if you're you're um, transitioning into like a different type of project or just any sort of, um, you know, any sort of transition doesn't have to be a new organization, doesn't have to be a new job. It just gives a good framework for thinking through problems. I do love to read. um, And so there are lots of books that I've enjoyed over the years, but I find this has good practical application.
0: That's awesome. We're all about applied theory. So how do you, how can you bring it to life? And it sounds like it's a great book to do that. If you could have lunch with one leader pastor present, Eric, which one would that be if you had to choose?
1: That would be my grandfather. So I was named for my grandfather. He's he's the one with my grandmother who made the decision to uh, move to uh, the United States from Germany uh, back in the 30s. I I was named after him. He passed away before I was born. Hmm. So, and he's somebody that, uh, that was a a true entrepreneur and, you know, had to overcome a lot of adversity to get them what he, to do what he did, to start yeah. what he started, um, you know, back in the 1930s in South Louisiana, he built a, a store. Uh, so bought a store in on close to the river in downtown Baton Rouge with a cemetery on, on two sides and a, uh, a railroad track on the other and it became a huge success. So I'd love to, get his perspective on 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 business and what he was able to do um, and uh, what he thinks about uh, the way things have evolved since then. But uh, that's a conversation I would enjoy. That's amazing.
0: He sounds like an absolute legend. I've met your dad as well, Eric, and it's just cool to see the way that legacy has continued to kind of run out in your family. Last question is, where could our audience find you?
1: LinkedIn, Twitter, any of the above? Definitely LinkedIn. Definitely, I would say that's the best place.
0: Awesome. Hey, it has been fantastic to have you on the show. Thanks so much for coming on and sharing your insights, and can't wait to stay in touch.
1: Thanks for having me, Blake. Good to see you.
0: What would it mean for your organization if your leaders became significantly more effective? At CoThrive, we help good leaders transform into exceptional leaders. And we do it in a way that builds camaraderie and deeper connection to your company for a fraction of the cost of less effective alternatives. If you're interested in learning more, find me on LinkedIn and just shoot me a message. As always, guys, keep leading on purpose.